Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Freedom. Freedom? Well, sign away my freedom. Why, this is ridiculous. Don't be corny, brother. (laughs) Sure, our system of free enterprise isn't perfect. But before we throw it away for some imported double talk, let's turn the clock back a few years to see what it's done for us. With your host, Mike Paul. Hey guys, welcome back to Paul's to the Wall. I am your host, Mike Paul, joined of course by my brother Nick Paul and our good buddy Tyler. How are you guys doing today? Swell. Doing well, doing well, man. How about you? I can't complain. Um, I do want to take a second to uh, welcome all our new listeners that more than likely came over from part of the problem, um, as we've been advertising over there. I've seen the numbers go up quite a bit. And I did notice the the last couple ad reads, uh, Dave has uh, done a real nice job and sound very enthused. And I've seen the numbers actually went up a little higher. People he got people a little more excited to come over. So big thanks to Dave over there. But uh, I just wanted to welcome you guys and uh, hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review and tell us what you think about the show. So anyways, uh Real quick, when we get started, I wanted to show you guys a clip um, that I found from a, a, a Twilight Zone episode, which Nick and I have talked about on the show several times. We're big fans of the old 1960s Twilight Zone uh, TV series with uh, written by Rod Serling. But there was one scene that really stood out to me, and I'm sure Nick's seen this a long time ago because we've seen all of them when we were kids. But just as an adult and having his uh, political ideologies all you know matured and formed now. I'm kind of curious to see your guys' live take to this. So the the premise of this episode is this guy is trying to time travel to stop horrific events like the sinking of the Lusitania, um, stopping Hitler. And I think he's in the 1880s right here. I think he was trying to stop the assassination of Garfield or the attempt. <clears throat> but um, so he's talking to a guy in 1881. And <laughs> this, uh, this exchange was very interesting. I wanted to see what you guys thought about it. And I tell you, Mrs. Chamberlain, that until this government of ours assumes its rightful place of responsibility in the world, we will remain an isolated, terribly provincial, static community of states. You know what I say we should do about it? I'll tell you what we should do. We should take the American fleet, send it over to the Orient, and plant the American flag. Then on down to Australia, and back across the Pacific to South America, planting the American flag as we go. Planting her deep, planting her high, planting her proud. You ought to run for office, Mr. Hanford. Believe me, my dear lady, I've thought of it. But uh, finance comes first. The lifeblood of the nation. And the bank needs me. (laughs) Hey there, Mr. Driscoll. What are your international views? I don't have any, Mr. Hanford. Of course you do, man. Of course you do. Everybody has to have views as to the destiny of our country. Now, you take the case of the Indian Wars five years ago. All this silly, conciliatory nonsense about giving the Indians lands. As if you could actually make savages understand treaties. Why, we should have had 20 George Custers and 100,000 men, and we should just have swept across the plains, destroying every redskin who faced us. And then we should have planted the American flag deep, high, and proud. I think the country is tired of fighting, Mr. Hanford. I think we were bled dry by the war. I think anything we can get by treaty, as long as it saves lives, is the proper course to pursue. My dear young lady, I trust that this isn't the pap you spoon-feed to your students. Treaties, indeed. 
Peace indeed. Why, the virility of a nation is in direct proportion to its fighting qualities. Why, we'll live to see the day when this country of ours feels an army of a million men. And I mean just sweeps everything before us. I'm sorry, Mrs. Chamberlain, I, uh, I get carried away. <laughs> You're some kind of pacifist, are you, Driscoll? No, I'm just some kind of sick idiot who's seen too many young men die because of too many old men like you who fight their battles at dining room tables. Oh, my goodness. I take offense at that remark, Mr. Driscoll. And I take offense at armchair warriors who don't know what a shrapnel wound feels like or what death smells like after three days in the sun or the look in a man's eyes when he realizes he's minus a leg and his blood is seeping out. Mr. Hanford, you have a great enthusiasm for planting the flag deep. But you don't have a nodding acquaintance with what it's like to bury men in the same soil. I'll not sit here and take talk like that. No, no. You'll go back to your bank, and it'll be business as usual until the next dinner time when you'll give us another of your vacuous speeches about a country growing strong by filling its graveyards. Well, you're in for some gratifying times, Mr. Hanford. You can believe me. There'll be a lot of graveyards for you to fill. In Cuba, then in France, then all over Europe and all over the Pacific. And you can sit on the sidelines and wave your penance, because according to your definition, this country is going to get virile as the devil, from San Juan to Inchon. We'll show how red our blood is, because we'll spill it. There are two unfortunate aspects of this. One is that you won't have to spill any. The other is you won't live long enough to know I'm right. That's Damn. Exactly it. <laughs> Dude, that guy was just so on point all the time. Was that a was that a dinner at Dick Cheney's house? <laughs> young Dick Cheney. Yeah. yeah, no, but really. And I mean, this is where, you know, Rod Serling was uh if you go back and just watch the twilight zone and realize that he was a world war two veteran, he was very anti-war and like any good artist or creator, his work didn't come across as propaganda the same way. Like when you watch the Lord of the Rings or read the books, it doesn't feel like Tolkien is pumping this like anti-war propaganda or anti-power propaganda. It's just a good story. And that's what Serling did so well. So being that he was a world war two veteran it's not that he was trying to push an agenda. It's that he had come to this kind of truth that he realized and you use your art to reveal the truth. And I mean, that's just as good of an anti-war, you know, in your face kind of thing as there ever was. That's like, you know, if Ron Paul was a, a writer, you know, it was, it was great. Yeah. It, it, it's so true though, but it, it's kind of interesting for me to see, cause I grew up watching the twilight zone so much when I was young, um, but I didn't really, you know, form my, political beliefs till I got, you know, probably in my mid to late twenties, uh, as far as, you know, get my foreign policy stances and everything where I, um, had firm beliefs and, and now looking back, it's like, oh, so like he, he was onto this like long ago. Like I was just missing these messages when I was watching them when I was a teenager. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is because what is this from 61 ish? I guess right. it doesn't really 63. matter. 63. So this is right before Vietnam started. And at the time, it's like, okay, we had World War II. And of course, I mean, the progressive era brought the introduction of the U.S. being adventurous with foreign policies, talking about planting his flag in all these different continents. And it's like we had the, the Spanish-American War and you know we were in the Philippines and all these things. So he kind of saw the progressive era emerging. And then after World War II and then starting with the Korean War, that's when the U.S. started really expanding. So, I mean, Rod Serling was writing this right before it started going, uh, you know, whatever word you want to use, before that hockey stick curve after Vietnam, where we started just controlling all over the world. So he saw this coming and he was like, yeah, calling basically this guy is a neocon and he's a... He's like, you won't live long enough to see that I'm right. And it's like, if you could fast forward to 2021, where we're in eight different countries in the Middle East and all over the world with military bases everywhere and all of the wars that have been fought since then, it's like, he was right. <laughs> That's and just, was, yeah. What's well, ironic he, is Rod, oh, sorry, Rod Serling didn't live long enough to see he was right about what was to come after, uh, you know, 
Vietnam. This is before this that was, even started. This was coming even before World War II. There was already imperialistic tendencies within the United States. Um, uh, General Smedley Butler actually talks about it in War is a Racket, which uh, for any listeners that haven't read it, it's super short. It's like 120 pages, super easy read, and it's just phenomenal. He talks about all these, you know, interventions that we did in South America and how he's like, we didn't do this for any other reason but corporate interests and just expansion of power and influence. You know, we put in all these little puppet rulers to just gain natural resources and secure business deals. I mean, it was sometimes over as crappy as stuff, not crappy, but, you know, as little as like produce, sugar, whatever, whatever we wanted. I mean, we just used, you know, our, our military might and, and influence. And, and we're still doing that today. I mean, you know, that's sanctions, all, all these little shenanigans that we're, we've pulled and even countries like Venezuela, all of it. I mean, the U.S. military is basically what makes our currency the reserve currency of the world. You know, we, we, it's backed by the trillion dollar military budgets and military might. Yeah. I mean, when your only tool is a hammer, right? Right. Everything. Yep. Everything becomes a nail. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty incredible. And it doesn't seem like Biden's really pumping the brakes at all on the foreign policy area. That seems to be full steam ahead with, uh, all the signals we're seeing so far. Well, we're going to, it's not just us here in America. That's going to unify. Everyone's getting a little dose of unity. <laughs> yeah. That, the, the unity thing. Um, I mean, this is, we're recording on Monday right now. So did you guys watch the Super Bowl last night and all the commercials? I watched uh, 10 minutes of it. Um, only cause I had to get my kids home as their nap time when the game started. And we had a 40 minute drive home from my parents where we were at. And, uh, that, uh, yeah, I got home and didn't watch the game. Figured I'd find out who won in the morning. But. I, I watched most of it until I, the game just became a total slaughter. And at that point, I was like, all right, I'm just going to go watch some Netflix. Yeah, so real quick, just this is my prediction, but how many commercials were woke leftist propaganda? It was 80%. I okay. mean, and not not, I wouldn't say, like, you know, the infamous, like, Gillette commercial where it's – it's just overt. It was just a lot of, I can't stand when people are vague and there's like this vague thing about what brought this to my attention. You said unity and there were all these like vague messages about unity. And then the NFL's campaign itself, which is it takes all of us. And it's like implicitly uh, about like racism or whatever. And it's like, they want to end racism. And it's like, they appeal to, you know, that slogan, like end racism or, or it takes all of us, it appeals to the better nature of like every single person, right? Like we're, we are people who question the political correct, uh, cathedral narrative that is, you know, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing, but none of us want to see racism. We don't want our kids to grow up in that world. I mean, that's just decency. It's not about being politically correct. It's about having manners and, and good ethics. So they appeal to that emotion in people. Like most people just want to live in a peaceful neighborhood and get along and they want to see everybody raise their standard of living. So when they present these PR campaigns in that light, people are like, yeah, why wouldn't we want that? But it's, yeah. it's this weird cloaking of what policies they're actually advocating. And while they're talking about this being a unifying thing, it's such a nuanced issue and when you paint in such broad strokes, you're going to get people to fight against each other. And when people fight and they, they raise concerns like I am right now with this PR campaign, the knee jerk reaction to that concern is, oh, my God, you must be a racist. Like you're one of the bad guys. And then you just let that go as far as it wants. And all of a sudden they're painting you as a Klansman or a neo-Nazi. And that's not even an exaggeration. I have left wing no. friends that will post. They have, there's a, a T-shirt of a guy. And he's wearing it at a barbecue and it says it shows the Confederate flag and it says losers in 1865. And then the swastika, it says losers in 1945. And then it shows a uh, MAGA flag and it says losers in 2020. Oh and it's my like, gosh. it's like, dude, this is the root of the problem that you paint in such incredibly broad strokes and you lump Nazis and Confederates, which Nazis and Confederates are extremely different things to begin with. But lumping them in with Trump supporters, which are basically 2008 Democrats. It's just lunacy. That is outrageous. 
It is. I, I honestly, it, I, I may be in the minority here, but I feel like Super Bowl commercials haven't been good in like five plus years. Oh, I, dude. Oh, I agree. They used to be good. Like, remember, like, the, the lizards just sitting there singing Bud. All the Bud Sir. Like, I'd take that back in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. My favorite one of the Give last some 10 damn years. Tales. Yeah. And my favorite one of the last 10 years, it was a Doritos commercial. And it's a guy that's in a pitch meeting in a boardroom. And he's like, he's like, here's my but or my Doritos malt liquor or Doritos beer. He's like, every chip is the equivalent of 12 ounces of cool, crisp beer. And he's like smashing these while he's presenting the idea. And it pans to this one guy. And he's like, that is the worst idea I've ever heard. And then it pans back to the guy doing the pitch and he's in his underwear with his tie around his head. And he's like, you don't know me. (laughs) And it's just silly nonsense, but it's hilarious. And it's like, it doesn't matter who you are. It's funny, you know? Right. I did see that uh, Reddit yeah. had a little little spot. They were talking about tendies. Oh, it was like, a, yeah, it wasn't a full commercial. They just got like the cheap spot that popped. I up. missed it. Yeah, but I yeah, and you know what the worst part is too is like they've even like found a way to politicize. Like Tom Brady was walking into the stadium. I saw this on Twitter. A couple of journalists were like, "How irresponsible." Yet so typical of Tom Brady to not be wearing a mask during a pandemic. No, They're like, no. he had the chance to be set an example for the public. And I'm like, everyone's like, lady, this guy gets tested like five times a week. Like he doesn't, he's, he's not, he doesn't have the damn virus. He doesn't need to wear a mask, but like, that's what you're going to focus on. I saw there was an op-ed too about the, uh, the pirate, you know, the Buccaneers logo is like a pirate flag. And they're like, is this something we should be concerned about? Racism against pirates? <laughs> and it's Dead like, pirates at that. Dead pirates. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, the only people plundering in 2021 is the U.S. military for oil reserves. But, you know, I, I, it just blows my mind. Like, they can literally find an issue with anything. Dude, I was so discouraged. I actually got a I don't think I talked about this yet, but I think I got a COVID test a few weeks back um, just because uh, we we're, I thought I, you know, I was showing symptoms. I had a nasty head cold and, you know, just to be safe, I had no for work. So I, I went and got my first test, which by the way, it was as advertised, getting my brain tickled. Um, not, not fun, would not recommend it. 10 out of 10. But um, the, the doctor comes in after to tell me I was negative. It was just, uh, turns out the common cold is still among us. Um, I just had a nasty head cold, still shaking it off actually. But, um, she comes in, she's like, oh, the good news is, uh, you tested negative. She's like, so you just have a head cold, go home, drink lots of fluids, get some rest. And like, I'm sitting there and I have my mask down, you know, I'm in a doctor office. I just tested negative for a COVID test and my mask is like touching my upper lip. My nose is out. Like chin diaper. Yeah. I was chin diaper in it a little bit. And, um, she goes, so just go home, get some rest, drink some liquid. She goes, be sure to wear your mask over your nose in this very condescending manner. I'm like, lady, you just told me I'm negative in real time right now. Like, so now the, the new, the new standard is just, if you have, if you have a cold, you got to wear this thing around. Like, what are we, we're never going back. Like, I just, so the question is, is this, are you that indoctrinated or do you not believe that your tests are accurate? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the question. Yeah. So you're lucky they didn't I, I give you like, the, I just the Chinese laughed. test where they give you that swab down. They took <laughs> something else. That is, I, and I, cause it's right now it's just in China, but I have a feeling, I think it's a 30% not going to happen or no 30%. It's going to happen. 70% oh, not that it's coming. To the US. It, oh, he's about the anal swabs. I, he's a little tickling troll. I, I <laughs> well, I, I just love the idea. Like, cause now there's, you know, wear the two masks and it's like, you just picture the people in the smoke filled room are overlords. And they're sitting there like seeing how far can we take this? And it's like, I'm going to tell him to wear two masks. And then another guy's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to tell him to shove this Q-tip up their ass. And they're going to do right. it. You, know, like, yeah, they got just a bunch of decanters, whiskey and cigar smoke, just laughing. And they have like a bet going. You remember that movie rat race where it's yeah. like, they have the yeah. prop bets about the people going for the million dollars and they, yeah. and it's like, Oh, who had, who had uh, Veronica? And they like, you know, hand out the money. It's like that. They're just, they're like, which governor is going to mandate this first? (laughs) Dude, yeah. The two mask thing, it's very reminiscent of the $15 hour minimum wage debate where it just seems like you said to go to 16 to get elected. Everyone's like, yeah, I want one more dollar an hour I'm going to advocate for. But it's like with two masks, they're likely more effective. 
So obviously three is more effective than four is more effective than that. So just like just go out like nine masks deep, like in public, like, hey, it's more effective. I mean, if, if two is like logically, if two is more effective, then the more, the better. Just suffocate yourself. You know what? A Honestly, good strategy. Sorry, go ahead, Tyler. I, I really think that most of the public, at least anyone with 25% common sense to their name, they're not following any of this crap. I mean, I, I think I know so many people that are like, I turned the news off. I don't care anymore. Like, mm-hmm. it, and they and go all of a sudden, get like, yeah, they're just like, whatever. You know, I see so many people just chin diaper in the masks. You know, they got people at Walmart that stop you right as you walk in, like, uh, excuse me, sir, sir, you need a mask. But then, you know, I've seen some people, they just, they walk in the store with it on and then they immediately take it off or go full chin diaper with it. It's, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how with everything that's gone on, how anyone could still be sitting in their home trying to lecture people about how dangerous this is and how you need to, you know, do this and that six feet apart. Like who came up with that number? Like, like, Five, five foot, 10 inches, and you're definitely you're as good as dead. I, I mean, this seems so arbitrary and just silly to me. Arbitrary is, the, I mean, that's just the game of the left. Everything's arbitrary. Arbitrary yeah. numbers solve inequality. Arbitrary numbers solve poverty. I mean, but, just, you know, they're, 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 creating, they're creating two crises come to mind that are going to spin off of this. And I'm not talking about, like, any of those nonsensical mutations or anything. But I can see... The first thing and the most obvious thing, take a look around a parking lot sometime or a trash bin. There's masks everywhere. So the yep. mask mask pollution is probably going to be the next thing when they're going to have ocean freighters pulling out, you know, those big fishing nets full of masks out of the ocean like they do plastic bottles. Or they're going to, like, pull them out of a shark's guts and be like, oh, my God, what have we done? And honestly, we deserve it. We deserve it for being stupid. You know, yeah. no one should ever play along with this. I went to um, Madison Zoo, which is a, quote, free zoo, you know, free meaning that you pay for it involuntarily if you live there. But, you know, Madison's like little Portland, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, for, for, those, for those not familiar. Um, but over the summer I went there, you know, we, we just hadn't gotten to the house for a while. The, the kids love going there. Um, so we, <laughs> we go to go in and it's an outdoor zoo. And there are these like two women working the gate and they like they just seemed like they were like robots. Like the woman was actually like, looking past me when she was talking to me, like no eye contact. It was really odd, but she's like handing out masks. And like, I was like, Oh, we got to wear them outside. She's like, yes. She goes, and she's not even looking at me. She's talking. She's like staring off into traffic. She goes, yes, because the COVID-19 is actually contagious to our animals too. And I'm like, Oh really? Like tigers. We're wasting forward? COVID tests on gorillas. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. So I was like, Oh, okay. And like, I, I just like, like kind of chin diapered it and then the uh the strap broke on my mask and i was like oh i was like well i guess it broke she goes okay but that's okay here's another one please wear your mask <laughs> i'm just like okay and like but like everybody's wearing them like when you're in madison it's like like i said it's little portland it's like the the like bluest part of wisconsin but it, it was just you could just tell it like it is completely you had a government-run organization in a liberal city that was like the early adopters i first saw of how, how serious the masks were getting taken I was like, guys, we're outside in the sunlight, not even near anybody. Like, those are the same people I live with in my house that I'm walking with. And so there's stupid. there's no evidence that it spreads outdoors, which I, I mean, and again, this is where I've or to tigers before. Yeah, or to tigers, but I've mentioned this I, before. I, was, but it's I, like, I won't get six feet from a tiger, even if I there wasn't. A yeah, Dude, they lick each other's butts. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I and this is what people do that too, but that's a neither here. Nor Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. Yeah. No. So I was gonna say this is where it's. Not not frustrating, but it's genius. You have to admire what the cathedral programs in people where there's layers upon layers upon layers of bullshit. And they get you to argue at the most surface level like area of bullshit. Like so you're discussing whether or not you need to wear a uh, mask, you know, to possibly not get animals sick at a zoo outdoors. And it's like, wait a minute, but there's like three things right off the top of my head, right? So I'm not gonna get six feet from a tiger. Plus we're outdoors in the sunlight and there's no evidence that it spreads that way. And then, you know, like we have to question the effectiveness of masks and all these things. And then it's like, no, but the bigger, like you're, you're passing on the bigger argument when you engage in that level of debate, because it's like, Mm -hmm. 
okay, is this the proper strategy to handle a virus and how bad is it? It's like, yes, you could point to people dying and hospitalized and that's really unfortunate. But the reality of the situation is that they're a small minority of the population. If you're young and healthy, this is really of no danger to you. No more than the common flu is. Of course, people are going to get triggered when you say that. But it's like, let's look at the stats. If you're young and healthy, we know that for kids under the age of 17, the flu is four times deadlier than COVID-19, right? So the question is, why did you never do this with the flu ever, just so we have something to compare it to? And is this, if it was a terribly deadly disease, is masking up the proper response? So it's I like there are these bigger questions and, and you're forced to argue at the most trivial bullshit. Like, right. well, what if I wear it under my nose and I can breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth? Nope. It's like, but that way I could not breathe my air out. And it's like, that's your, they won. Even if you right. win that exact argument, you're still wearing a mask. You're still going along with all the guidelines. It doesn't matter how many data models you show them either. I've seen, there's still people on Twitter that claim that Florida is like a war zone. Florida has been open since like May, like mid May. They, they didn't close back down. Some places are like mask up. Others are like, eh, you know, and, and Florida, Florida's relatively old, you know, in terms of a, you know, average age compared, especially to California. You look at the death rates in California compared to Florida. It doesn't matter how you show it to these people. You can beat them over the head with it. They, it's, it's, it's religion at this point. It's, it is. It's, yeah, it's Vin Armani said it. It's the dim age. There's, dude, there's the, no the mask the mask is equivalent of wearing a crucifix or a yarmulke or a burqa. It's just a religious article of clothing to show that you've accepted the science as your Lord and savior. Yeah. That's why you drive with it by yourself in the car down the highway. Yes. There's no other reason. I, I, I'm, I'm just over it. I'm, I'm fatigued. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we won this argument, you know, months and months ago. And uh, there's nobody to even acknowledge that it is an argument. Like they are, they are correct. They have their heels dug in and nothing you can say will change their mind. So well, it's like, I'm with Tyler. It's like, I'm just tuning it out. Like, whatever, just leave me alone. Leave me alone. Sure. Fuck you. That's I all. Start, I, you know, it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, these are the times where I wish I smoked cigarettes. I'd puncture a hole in my mask and just smoke cigs while walking <laughs> down the street with my mask on. I, you know, I laugh every time I do that. I see like a guy outside of a, you know, a big box store about to walk in a Walmart, and he's like outside finishing his cigarette and then puts his mask on. Yeah. <laughs> what? We are like, we're supposed to be like the Sports peak. had a video like when Vegas first opened up the casinos again. There was a guy that smoked a mat. Uh, he had his mask on at the slots, and he smoked a cig out the side of his mask. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's <laughs> Yeah, like this, like top down, like one size fits all cure. Like we, no one stops to question at all. It's like, oh no, but just we got to We all, it's we're all in this together. And then the second crisis that this is all going to create, it's already created. It is, you know, you're seeing a big surge in mental health issues, and this isn't just affecting adults. I mean, no one wants to talk about what it's done to younger kids. You know, preteens, teenagers. I mean, they've probably been the most affected by it. Oh yeah, man. Like, I mean, it, can it, you imagine like being in high school? Like when you're in high school, like, yeah, you get along with your parents, but you want to hang out with your friends. Yeah. You're free. Like to, you know, this, you're never yeah. that kind of free time back again. So it's like to go out and, you know, even for just like proms and sports and stuff like, you know, yeah. like high school was like prison without any extracurriculars. Dude, I yeah. mean, literally granted, I got kicked out of all of them by my senior year, but it still was, you know, that's like what made it all the social aspect is the only reason that adolescence, especially in terms of school, was tolerable. For sure. And like they're they're gonna they're gonna have like a, a whole age bracket of kids that are gonna be so messed up from this. And it's honestly it's it's unforgivable. I mean, yeah. there's 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 I saw a video on Twitter the other day of parents pleading for help. They tweeted this out a video of them, they're like, we're trying to mask train our child. And like the, the, every time they just like tried to force this mask on this little kid, the kid couldn't have been more than three or four. Ugh. And the kid just pulled the mask off. Good for him. And like they kept getting they're like, no, 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 you need to wear it. Like, you know, trying to like to explain to this young kid, like this is for your safety, for your own good. And like all I love that they got ratioed all the hell in the comments. You know, they're like, that's child abuse. Like most places don't require a child that young to have to wear a mask. So why are they <laughs> Which is, but I, I mean, they're going to create 
a bunch of germaphobic young kids and a bunch of emotionally damaged preteens and teenagers. And it's disgusting. It's so sad because yeah, all this could have been avoided. They could have just put their foot down and said, wear a mask if it makes you feel better, wash your hands, try to n- limit your gatherings, but we're keeping, we're keeping this pit open. And you wonder what it's going to look like in five, 10 years when these kids who are, I mean, anywhere from five years old to, you know, 20 years old or still in high school, let's say like five to 18, you're in public school right now. Mm-hmm. When you're an adult and you're 25, how many, how many people are going to have just weird personality disorders or just social behavior where it's like, you try to explain to younger kids, like people weren't always like this. They weren't always such whiny little bitches and they didn't, they, they weren't so sensitive and, and worried about your business. We used to say like, you know, mind your own business and mind your own beeswax and all these things. And it's, (laughs) it's going away. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. really sad that, well, you know, so-and-so had people over at their house and they weren't wearing masks. Yeah. Well, Nick, you, you brought up a good point a couple episodes back that maybe it'll make like a full generation of like these punk rock kids who hate established authority. And I'm kind of hopeful for that because like, I mean, think about how outraged we were when we figured out that the the food pyramid was like complete nonsense. Even not that we ever abided by it, but it's like these people like you were supposedly supposed to trust that were experts like teaching you were feeding you like just telling you to eat like garbage because sweet. So you're saying I can't eat pasta and chips for every meal. Yeah. It's it's like, yeah. imagine when they find out that like masks actually don't do anything. They're gonna be like, wait, what? We had to like get our temperature taken like every day and wear these things. And like there was study after study showing the ineffectiveness that they really didn't change much. And this is where I, I'm a big fan of uh, Thaddeus Russell and I'm not going to get into the postmodernism thing because I don't believe in postmodernism, but the ideas that it, that he presents that he claims come from postmodernism and its influence on him, those questions are really good questions. Like, okay, why do we trust these authorities that, you know, told us that peak oil was going to happen in the 1960s and acid rain and the hole in the ozone layer and all these things. And it's like, you are making explosive claims. And when they don't pan out, you should lose credibility. And -hmm. it's coming from the same scientific institutions and establishments uh, back then that are now presenting their narrative as gospel truth. And, you know, it's, it's heresy to question it. And that's where we're at. It's like, you know, you are a heretic if you want to even question the effectiveness of masks. And it's like, why? Every scientific question should be challenged. That's the point of science. Yeah, my yeah. Uh, so my when did Dad graduate? Eighty two or eighty three? I think he's seventies in middle school, so the late seventies. Sixty five, so eighty three. Yeah. Yeah. So he uh, he said in middle school, like like a cover of like I think like Time magazine and everything, like they were warning about an ice age coming, like, and then by the time I'm in middle school, and my dad was my dad was twenty five when he had me, so what? So thirty some years later, we're talking about the Earth like getting too hot to be inhabited. It's so, like. Clearly, mankind has that much radical control that we can like go ninety degrees the opposite way. Like we overcorrected, like oh, we're uh, we're going to an ice age, but then we went a little too hard, and now we're going to turn into a jungle. <laughs> it's like in thirty well, years. And and have you ever made? Have you ever pointed this out? Like what we just talked about the last minute. Have you ever pointed that out to somebody, to an NPC, and their reaction is just to roll their eyes and be like. <sighs> They're just appalled that you would even like say this. So like you're it's almost tell like me that climate change isn't real. Yeah, like, it's it's not even that. It's like all of what you're saying, like all of the implications that hey, what you believe in to be gospel truth in ten years could be revealed to be complete bullshit, not by anybody making a counter argument, but just by reality, by observing it with your own eyes and own ears. And like you point this out, like hey, the institutions that you are the the appeal to authority that you're making right now. These people have a track record of being wrong, 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 wrong. And when it happens again, you shouldn't be surprised. And to them, it's like, it's, it is a religious attachment. Like they Mm -hmm. cannot believe that you'd question their deity. No, it's questioning if Jesus is the son of God to them. And speaking of time magazine, Mike, sorry. (laughs) Did you guys read that article or see the headline where they basically they're like, yeah, there was a secret cabal of people that strive to maintain the integrity of the election and its results. Like yeah. they basically just came out and said, yeah, we fixed that. 
the fix yes. is in. They like said, at this point, you're just like, what are you going to do? Because there's half the, like you said, Nick, half the country is like, oh, no. The election <laughs> results are in. There's, there's integrity. They can't hack those voting machines. No one in the Postal Service would ever mishandle any ballots. Dude, yeah, it's yeah. buffering, buffering. There is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, that Time Magazine article, they laid it all out minus just the outright the outright admission that they stuffed ballot boxes. Like they're yeah. like, yeah, at, at the media and corporate level, um, at the polls, we were making sure that the proper outcome of the election happened. Like in the the language that they used is just so slippery. It is so Edward Bernays that it's unbelievable. It's Dude, amazing. what's what's so weird is like, and you know, we don't have to get into the like all the nuts and bolts of all of the different fraud acquisitions and feel however you want to feel about the election but just go back to election night like do you guys remember watching the like the, the vegas odds of trump winning like 800 to one like there's no there's like no statistical way biden was gonna win and we're just like oh my gosh like, minus ever, 800 but yeah or minus 800 sorry <clears throat> not a gambling man <laughs> but um but uh yeah it was like crazy like it, it, it felt like there's no possible way he's gonna lose it's like okay like trump won i went to bed thinking he won and then the next day, I think Tyler's the one that texted me. He's like, "Mike, are you still you still think he's gonna win?" Like they're saying, like all this stuff's coming out, and I was like, "What the hell happened?" And I like go and dig deep and see this, like the four a.m. dump and everything, and I'm like, "Oh boy, like I don't know." <laughs> but no one talks about how this is that that series of events. It's not like it was like the super close race the whole time, and oh, it's gonna be anybody's race. Like no, it was like dominated, and like even like I got to watch what's the name uh, the guy from young turks chank uger or whatever you say his oh, name like that way yeah yeah he was like freaking out on the air like how, how can this happen how could like, you're just going nuts like i got to see that happen like i got to see trump win again i got to watch the left lose their mind it was hilarious i just and missed his twitter man yeah his twitter's not the same without him yeah no, it really isn't. Yeah, he changed. He changed the whole world at the cultural and the institutional level. I mean, the guy, and he did nothing, really, right. not much, apart from some slight tax cuts and you know, not starting new wars. This that passive act, but he really didn't get much done at the policy level. Right. Not, not much, you know. No, but the the meltdown that he caused on the left was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I, I think. Um, <laughs> Dave Smith had a great line when he's talking about like, you know, what do we actually get from Trump? Like I was all excited. We got like the big middle finger and everything to the establishment. But at the end of the day, like if, if we, before Trump, if we were heading 95 miles an hour towards tyranny, now we're going 300. Like at the end of the day, we, it was like a net negative that Trump was our president because, because of all the reaction. Did you yeah, guys what... see his, uh, did you guys see his letter leaving the screen actors guild? Oh, you yes. sent that. I, I, is that <laughs> it's real? so funny. I, Michael Malice shared it, and it came from Paul Blumenthal. But it, it, he's just, like, he's just so, like, he has to tout himself, and he's just so petty about it. Like he said, in this letter, he goes, while I'm not familiar with your work, I'm very proud of my work on movies such as Home Alone 2, Zoolander, and Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, and television shows, including The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Saturday Night Live, and of course, one of the most successful shows in television history, The, the Apprentice, to name just a few. <laughs> He's a, I've, I've also greatly helped the cable news television business, said to being a dying platform with not much time left until I got involved in politics, and created thousands of jobs at networks such as MSDNC and fake <laughs> news CNN, among many others. Like, how could you kick this guy off social media? I know he's still getting his jabs in. It's hilarious. <laughs> and he, he knows that like like that that came February fourth, so that was after he was already banned from everything. The guy's mm. still throwing heaters. Yeah. And he formed that Trump? office, the former president of the United States, based out <laughs> of the Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> is he is he on any platform? Is he on like Gab or? Because I, I, I mean. I don't oh. blame him if the guy wants to just disappear. It's like, dude, I please feel free to do so. I, I don't not like I never want to hear from him again. It's right. it's just a like on a human level. It's like if you could just sit down and have a cup of coffee with Trump and just be dude, like, dude, I mean, dude, yeah, feel how you want to disappear. 
Yeah, feel how you want to feel about that guy, but like he has one of the most interesting lives of any human being that's ever lived. Like it's just like the American success story of like you know, becoming a like just celebrity billionaire. Like just uh only you know, marries like, models. Yeah, just like he has such an interesting life and then just like runs runs for office once and becomes president. <laughs> the whole thing like just sounds like some kind of crazy movie. But um I mean it really happened. And yeah, I said I'm the biggest Trump is- fan in the world. If they if they made a movie about all this, like someday about him, they're gonna you know they're gonna just tarnish it all to all the hell. But yeah, I mean, eventually, I mean, the, the, eventually, there's gonna be, I think, you know, hundred years from now, people will be a little more objective looking back on the story, the, the actual facts of the storyline, and not be like it was literally Hitler like about to have a white supremacist takeover of the country and Biden. Yeah, at least he didn't. He isn't putting us all on lists. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know one. One piece of propaganda. I can't. I think it was like either after Thanksgiving or maybe after Christmas. But we got home from like some sort of party and um, getting dr- like undressed and everything. And I threw on the TV. And I, I barely ever watch cable. We have like the you know basic cable package because it ends up being like five bucks a month more or whatever than just internet. But I think it was FX. Um, the movie Black Klansman was on, which. Just reading the description, it's like, you know, uh, these undercover cops infiltrate the KKK in the 70s. And I'm like, that sounds interesting enough. Like, I'll just, you know, see if it's any good or whatever. And uh, it's like I'm watching it and it's okay. You know, it's like it's interesting. And then there's a scene where uh, the police sergeant who is uh, white is talking to one of the cops who's black. And he's like, he goes, um, you know, there's this strategy that people are talking about that the Klan is actually going to infiltrate U uh, S politics. He's like, he's like, well, what do you mean? he goes, he's like somebody like David Duke, like somebody like David Duke could never become president. And he goes, he's like, well, that's the thing. You don't run as David Duke. You run as a Patriot and you hide behind your propaganda and talking about immigration and jobs and foreigners. And then you get your ideas in there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, and one day, it's going to happen. And they, this movie was from like 2017 or 18. And it's like, Oh my God. Like they're trying to say, this is Trump. Like, it's just, it's all but said they, they all but say the word Trump where it's like, this is, this is why like you talk about unity, but this is the crux of why there is division in the country. You attribute, like you might as well be David Duke or you're dumb enough to get, propagandized by covert david duke if you if you vote the wrong way it's Dude, unbelievable did you watch the end of that movie because i i recently watched that too um i was gonna mention it to you no but did you see the end so yeah that was a spike lee film so um but he shows at the end like modern day david duke because david duke was in the movie like the as a young guy so like they, they show him speaking out of his at charlottesville or whatever and then it shows like all the all the highlights of charlottesville and then it shows the cliche uh, clip of Trump saying like there were both people on good sides or people it's in the people. movie. Yeah. At the end, the credits. Yeah. Oh. They put that. Oh. Yeah. And it's like, so it was just like a blatant, like, okay, like number one, that's out of context. Like anybody's done their homework knows that good people on both sides was about the, the statue debate, not about the actual fighting. But yeah, it was just like, yeah, Trump is a Klansman. That's basically what the, the movie was trying to say. And you know, people need to realize like there is, there's propaganda that I like and it's my kind of propaganda, but I acknowledge that it's propaganda. You know, Mm -hmm. the movie, the Patriot is propaganda. It just is. And that's fine. It's, you know, pro America founding principles, propaganda, and it's good. I I like it. (laughs) Yeah, he is. (laughs) (laughs) But, but it's like, you know, there's this unwillingness of other people, of a lot of people, most people left and right to acknowledge that whatever they're enjoying or pushing is in fact propaganda. It's like, right. no, you don't, you could defend it and say that it's propaganda for the right cause, but just acknowledge it's propaganda. And people don't recognize propaganda from like objective information. They, they're incapable of distinguishing those two. And it's like the mainstream media, it's as of the last 10 years, they blend news with, with opinion pieces. Like it's just one thing. It's like, if you're reading any given article from CNN, it's like, okay, is this, is this an opinion piece or are you giving me the news? And it's, it's almost hard to tell what it actually is. Yeah. Um, what, what word do you guys think has been the most um, neutered in the last year? Racist, white supremacist, or hero? 
Ooh. Uh, the last year hero. Yeah, I think so too. I don't. I don't know what the word means anymore. <laughs> I don't like. I don't know. I might have to. I might have to say white supremacist on that one. I guess Nazi could be put in there too, because like we just yeah. Nazi's been so redefined. Hero, to it's like, I mean, hero was like the nationwide pizza party for people that couldn't work remotely. That was like their way of saying, you know, we respect you, but not really. We'll still fire your ass if you don't come to work. Um, but ultimately, I don't know, man. I on Twitter, you see, you, you see white supremacists thrown about by all these journalists. I, I've never met one. And like, I grew up it's, like in a farm town. I've seen some hillbillies at bonfires. I've heard some politically incorrect jokes with racial humor. Yeah. You know, these guys, you know, but none of them are white supremacists. You know, they're hillbillies. I, I've literally never seen, I've never seen anyone burn a cross. Never, I've never seen anything. a, yeah, I've never seen a Klansman outfit. I've never seen, yeah. So like this whole straw man about like there, there's this giant rise of white supremacy. I just, I, I haven't seen it. Maybe I'm just in a bubble out here in my like podunk Midwestern town, but. Do you guys want to hear some really good news for the day, though? Please. So someone who's much, much brighter than myself developed a application that you can download, and it will go on. You log into your Twitter through this app, and it will go ahead and block 800 different journalists that are affiliated with the New York Times. That's beautiful. Anyone with New York Times in their bio will get blocked. The market so provides. they said there's like 800 plus people that it'll automatically block for you. And it, and it, people are, you know, of course, losing their minds over this. And the whole premise of like the app, the description is to stop the spread of disinformation. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, it's like disinformation is like that cliche movie scene where there's like, there's like a clone of like a, the good, like the protagonist and the antagonist is a identical clone. You have to like pick which one to shoot. Yeah. Like, that's what information has become. Like which one's real disinformation? Like we can't decide anymore. Yeah. And you know, the first time like it's rare because it's like been this boiling frog thing with the kind of social control that's been pushed the last few years. But the the like and so i'm not shocked when i hear anything really it's like yeah that sounds about right that's where we're going anytime there's some new phrase or idea being pushed in the media or floated out there to just get some feelers for the response but when i first heard aoc say media literacy programs or and reconciliation for trump supporters and people that supported the capitol what happened at the capitol media literacy programs as in (laughs) Like you're so stupid, you don't understand what is real information and what's not. So we're gonna have to train you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of course, the term Orwellian's been that might be one of the more Ooh, yeah. terms. And yeah, it's like we blew it. Sadly. We blew sadly. it for years, for decades. Right wingers and and people who are conspiracy minded, they they devalued that word, and that's, they have to own that because it should us. be used now. Yeah, it's like just like the don't tread on me flag. It's been ruined. Yeah, it's like what were we calling Orwellian mm-hmm. ten years ago? Relative to what's happening now, it's like what? Like what was Orwellian in two thousand ten or eleven? Nothing. No, to pre COVID. Yeah, pre COVID, like you know, outside of, like foreign policy and, and, and the Federal Reserve, it's like what, what were we even pissed about? <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it was it was bad, but it's like it's gotten so much worse. I can't even remember what we were pissed about. And and we're still just playing defense. It's like we're just trying to. It's like. Just get them to fight about masks. Get them to plant their flag on that hill and fight that battle and die on that hill. And they'll stop talking about the Federal Reserve. Just throw so much offense at them that they can't possibly handle everything. So they're not going to take down the whole thing because they're going to be fighting to not get a vaccine and not have to wear a mask everywhere they go. Yeah, dude, because my biggest concern right now is what we talked about last episode is February 17th. The state of Illinois is voting on whether they're going to like shamelessly put woke leftist agendas into the public schoolroom. So it's like that's my biggest concern is more defense. Like, keep, can you just not jam your shit down my kids throats, please? That's all I want. Like, that is, that is never enough. They just keep going. And like, you're we're never on the offense. We're always just trying to just like hide from all the the, the fire. Sadly, yeah, I like, think that the pathway to victory for the uh, Liberty folks is not a clean one. It's, it's we, we don't have the resources to win the propaganda war. They're eventually, we just don't. It's hard to win a game yeah. when, you're, when you're always on defense. And they, and they silence you on social media. 
you know, you're competing against institutional powers. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg spending like they just had this new initiative that they're spending several billion dollars to combat misinformation about COVID vaccines. Mm-hmm. Name one libertarian institution, including the silly libertarian party, which I almost disavow at this point, but even them, they can't fight it. All of them combined can't even fight that amount of money and power. So no, no it's crazy. Cause like, you know, we're always going to be on defense. We're always on defense. Like even when you look at like conservatives, it's like, you know, no left winger goes to bed at night afraid that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. It's like, it's quite the contrary. It's like, they want to like, you know, like, okay, can you at least just like get rid of late term? They're like, no, we're gonna do late term as well. And they're like, okay, can you at least like not tax fund it? They're like, no, you're going to pay for it too. Like it's just, it's more and more offense from their side, but there's never any threat back the other way. Like they have nothing. Yeah. They're-, they're like a great fighter. It's like, you know, whatever he, whatever he, you know, uh, MMA coach or veteran MMA fighter will tell you is don't worry about what the other guy's doing. Go out there and make them dance your dance. You know, it's like you're going to set the tone and set the the agenda for what's about to happen. You don't worry about what they're going to do and play defense. You go out there and execute, force them to go on defense, always be attacking. And that's what they do. And it's like, at the end of the day, um, this is something that, like I, I know Matt Erickson, who's been on the show a couple times, has talked about, but it's the nature of power. And Curtis Yarvin talked about this too. But the nature of power is that whoever has the power deserves it, and whoever doesn't have the power doesn't deserve it. Yep. And I'm not saying that these people, like, it's not ideal that they're in power, but they went out and they fought dirty and they got it. It's like if you are expecting like a gentleman's duel. And then it's this guy's out here kicking you in the nuts and poking you in the eyes and biting your ears. And it's like, Hey, that's against the rules. It's like, all right, he's still got the championship belt now. So, I mean, and you're not going to change the rules by just bitching about it. So you either play dirty back or you quit bitching, but just sitting here like, man, they changed the rules again. It's like, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. That's a good Tyler brought that up, you know, and I think in the last episode where you said, the libertarians will go to the the firing squad, you know, saying at least we never broke the NAP. And um, it, it's so true. Like you picture like a football game where they're the opposing team is like stepping out of bounds, running up into the, into the stands to get around you. And then they're like going in and calling it a touchdown. You're like, no guys, like you went out of bounds. That's, that's not a touchdown. They're like, nope, it's still on the board. And then at the end of the game, it's like, well, we, you know, we never, we didn't have one penalty. We were never off sides. We won, you know, it's like, yeah, right. you actually got slaughtered like, by yeah, the score. Like- that's all like anyone cares about. Politics, it, politics is war. It's informational warfare at the least. And in some instances, it's real warfare. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think that the, the best hope for the liberty movement is people from the Mises caucus to get in a position of influence within the party. Because right now the LP is just, uh, they're, they're just Democrats as far as I'm concerned, they're just Democrats who like to say that taxation is theft because they think that it's punk rock. But I mean, they're the people in charge of the LP right now need to be, they need to go to the party they actually belong to as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, man. I mean, like, you look at like, like Nick Sorwark that was. Yeah. And I say Nick. Dude, like that guy like could not have been, I don't know. I, I got in a small exchange with him on, on Twitter when he was like, supporting trump getting banned and i'm just like this seems like not very libertarian that you want someone silenced you know and uh, yesterday you didn't say anything about uh you know the hunter biden story getting silenced or anything like that where were you on that he he just replied back like enjoy your straw man was all he said to me that guy gets dunked on every day on twitter seriously it's every day yeah and he just keeps coming back for more like he must get paid by the amount of times he gets dunked on yeah, you gotta admire it. You gotta admire it. I mean, I haven't heard anybody. I mean, the number of the amount of like political or you know social interaction he gets got a really fumbled there. But the amount of interaction he gets, like feedback from people every day on social media and otherwise, I would have to think, unless it's just our echo chamber, it's got to be like ninety percent negative. Just people going after him. Oh. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, dude, you, you got to admit that that dude is mentally tough for still wanting to be in the public light after <clears throat> just being horrendously slaughtered every day. I mean, did, did any media. did any of you guys know? Maybe you knew his name if you're in like into the Libertarian Party, but did any of you guys know anything about him or who he was before he debated Dave Smith? 
No. Me no. neither. I don't think anyone did. And they're just like, what? This guy's I feel like terrible? I know too much about that guy now. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know. And but. at the same time, wh- when you're talking about like what the strategy is, Tyler, and I get it's a catch 22, but with everything going on in the world right now, and I know that let's say the Mises caucus does need to conquer the party before they can have any greater influence. He needs to take control of that vehicle. But at the same time, it's like when I listen to a lot of other podcasts and they're squabbling over inside baseball, libertarian politics, it's like, guys, we're, we're sitting on the sidelines deciding who's supposed to go out on the field right now. Like this is, we got to actually just start doing it, whether or not we have the LP, like you can't just withdraw from what's going on right this second. Like we need to get our voices out there, whether or not you're in control of the party and fighting with the, uh, the loser brigade brigade, while it's fun to just beat up on those people, it's not getting anything done and they're they're nobody they have zero influence it's like can we just move on from them that's kind of my thing is like as much as a lot of people in the liberty community you know big l and small l libertarians for that matter um like to make fun of ben shapiro because he's like dunks on like a you know a 19 year old college freshman yeah yeah yeah, facts don't care about your feelings but like leftist college student gets slammed by ben shapiro like yeah and, and like the thing is though is there's a lot of people in the liberty community who do the same shit oh yeah yeah they like you know they're on twitter and they dunk on all these people and like yeah it's hilarious but what are we doing to actually like what are you doing in your own lifestyle for one to advance the movement and i'm not some of these people do i'm not i'm not attacking anyone in particular yeah you um, know i just but it, you know, they like, what are you doing in your own life to advance liberty? And what are like, what is, what are you doing for the, the movement itself? You know, and ultimately, you know, I look at like the support of that guys like uh, Justin Amash has gotten. And I'm like, I don't like that. I'll be, I I'm, I'm with the, the folks on timeline earth with this one. I think that guy is a snake. I think that he's 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 just a grifter, and I think it, it's I find it very alarming that so many people in the liberty community think he's the hope and savior. That guy's only known by anyone for having Trump derangement syndrome. Like, yeah, he's he's not the voice of liberty that everyone thinks he is. Now, you know, people like I honestly, Dave Smith is just like straight shooter. That's the kind of people you want advancing liberty. Scott mm-hmm. Horton, you get a guy like Scott Horton on Joe Rogan. Tom and now Lord. you're pushing a real message. Dude, I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. Because you know Dave has had to have brought that up to Rogan before because they're both in Austin. I mean, they have mutual friends. And yeah. it's like that's so important, especially with Biden being in office now. It's so important, which, guys, I know it's we, we like slamming um, Biden for all the obvious reasons. But to give credit where credit is due, and this is an if and big if this actually goes through, but he is talking about withdrawing U.S. support of the war in Yemen. Yes, I so did see that. That, that would hats off prop. if that happens. Absolutely. Yeah, if that happens, finally- he's proven that he's a better human being than Obama and Trump just on a humanitarian level. So, I mean, my only fear is that he's going to trade in Yemen for uh, Iran. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to need those troops elsewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. We're gonna have to go take care of those Huns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna he's gonna accidentally refer to one of um one of our invasions as D Day. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I have to uh my I have a, somebody I know somebody I know is telling me that there's a video, it's like the whole uh tinfoil hat conspiracy crowd but they're saying that there's a video of biden getting on air force one or two uh but he is he like gives a real sharp salute to the marines and then he like skips to the stairs and he runs up like every other stair like he scales the stairs and they're like he's never moved like that in his life since he was like since my my had a trick knee that i used to get playing uh you know croquet and i got that trick near acts up in the rain and he just he he shuffles his feet everywhere he goes so i have to find this video if it's a real video 
the official video of him getting on this plane and he's actually skipping up the stairs. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to have to consider this. Like he is the Paul McCartney of politics. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Matt brought up when he's on the show that he was, he's open to the idea that Biden's not even uh, just, there's actors playing Biden. You know, <laughs> it's like, or it's just a like deep fake. Yeah, like, I mean, there's been so many, like, just batshit crazy conspiracy theories I've heard about this. They're just fun They're to fun. listen to. Yeah. Dude, people are talking about how, like, Biden doesn't exist. <laughs> like, all this shit. <laughs> I'm just like, guys, this is why, like, this, this is why you get a bad name. Like, this is where all this QAnon shit that they talk about, this is what's Yeah, but it's fun. It's so it much is. fun. And, oh, it's and I have, it's, it's the same. Uh, I've had this theory since I was, like, 15 that Johnny Depp isn't a real person. And <laughs> that one I could be sold on. <laughs> I, well, no. So, I mean, it gets, mm-hmm. you look at it and it's like Johnny Depp's whole thing. I think they're, I think Johnny Depp is a conglomerate personality of Hollywood. And I think there are probably five or six different actors that play him in the public light, but look at what he is in every single one of his major roles. He's wearing heavy makeup and he's unrecognizable from captain Jack Sparrow to Charlie and the chocolate factory. Doesn't look like the same guy nor does Edward Scissorhands or any of them. They all look extremely different because you can't see beneath the makeup. And then um, when he's in public, his style is just to wear heavy eye makeup and heavy makeup in general and wear hats and sunglasses that are tinted and all these different things with different hairstyles. And he could be, it's like that could be anybody. And then on the show, Nathan for you, that was on comedy central. That was a great show. That's no longer on. There's an episode where he, to get people to be an extra in his movie that he's filming at this gift shop. He has like a meet Johnny Depp, you know, thing to get people to be extras. And he has like all these like teenage girls come in this trailer and he has a guy that's a Johnny Depp impersonator. And from what I can tell, the guy doesn't look anything like Johnny Depp, but they go on this trailer and it's just a guy dressed like Johnny Depp and they get right next to him and they're looking at him and they're talking to him and these girls are losing their minds like they're shaking uncontrollably that they're talking to Johnny Depp and he's like yeah yeah do you want to want me to sign this guitar and give it to you and he's just kind of talking <laughs> like him and they're and and like probably 10 to 15 people came in this trailer and not one of them said this isn't really Johnny Depp right so my theory is that Johnny Depp is not a real person he's a bunch of different people playing this guy and who knows who is who, you know, it's like so is that why that whole Amber Heard deal was such a such a big deal is because like she was beaten on multiple people that she thought was Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? It's like when they talk about all his properties and all the money he spends on wine, it's like, yeah, it's probably just like they don't know what account that's coming from. You know, it's, a brand. it's like you send when he when the real estate agent meets Johnny Depp, they just send one of the Johnny Depp's. And then they can just melt away, take off the makeup, go back into whoever they really are. And it's like, you just kind of, and it's like, if that's not really what's going on, if you're in Hollywood, how much fun would that be to start something like that? Make somebody a star that doesn't exist. Yeah, that should be happening. And then, and then you could make him ageless. He would just go on like, how old is Johnny Depp now? Is he like 104? But he still looks like he's 40, you know, but it's hard to tell with all the makeup. You could just keep it going. Like the scarves and the rose glasses and everything. So that's my theory, and I think yeah. something similar might be going on with Biden. Dude, I, I do got to touch on really. Yeah, Nick. First time Nick told me that one because I think I mentioned it to him. I was like, Johnny Depp looks different in every movie. Nick just looked at me dead serious in the eye. He goes, "I don't think he's real." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you, you thought this how I about birds? Birds? Yeah, yeah they're not real. <laughs> they're made by the government. <laughs> Spy drones. It's hilarious." Um. But yeah, while we're on Hollywood actors, <laughs> so I don't know why, but I've had trouble sleeping like a couple times in the last month, and and uh, both times I've ended up watching uh, late John Travolta movies. Oh which, no, dude! I, okay, we all know him as an A-list actor, right? But you know what's he really done besides like you know Pulp Fiction and uh, you know uh, what's the the big dancing movie he was in that he got his break? Uh, Dirty now. Uh, Saturday Grease. Night Fever, Grease, right? Grease, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I was gonna say Dirty Dancing. That's Patrick Swayze. But um, dude, there's a movie called Speed Kills where he. This is made in, like 2019. This is like a two year old movie, and it's supposed to be like the 70s, like mobster, a guy who gets or he gets away from crime and he becomes like this multi millionaire speedboat racer in the 60s and 70s. He's played by John Travolta, and it is like the lowest budget 
most horrible acting. Like I, I had to pause a couple times to like look up to see if this is a satire movie. I was like, this like, like John Travolta put his name on this. Like they must. I think they spent their entire budget on paying John Travolta to be in the movie because nothing else had any nice. like money put towards it. So, anyways, that was terrible. But I highly recommend it just for comic value. But then there's a different one the other day um, called The Fanatic, which is also like two years old, and it's directed by the one and only Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit. Oh, so, gang. Just imagine starring John Travolta, <laughs> you know, not in his prime years. And it's about this like uh, celebrity obsessed, like I'm assuming autistic guy that like just runs around and collects celebrity autographs and like breaks into his favorite celebrity's house and like ties him up like because he was rude <laughs> to him or something at an autograph signing. And once again, it's so bad and just horrible. And there's even a scene where the protagonist is like driving in a car with his 10 year old son cranking up Limp Biscuit. Telling his son how awesome Limp Biscuit is and how back in the day everybody got down to Limp Biscuit. <laughs> and I was like, dude. And it was a supposed, to, it wasn't a satire movie either. Once again, I had to check, but it was supposedly loosely based on a real event that happened with Fred Durst and a fan. Now, is dude, it a that's... good, bad movie? Would you say it's like tastefully bad? Dude, I think you have to watch it just because. I mean, my wife felt offended when we got done. She was that's like an hour and a half. I'll never get back. Like, why? Why did we watch that? Like, can we look this up first? And I was like, I'm, I'm not even mad. It was so beautiful. I'm, I'm telling you, man, chocolate starfish hot dog flavored water was an absolute banger back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I just, so, you know, it's like at least we were saying we were talking about this the other day, Mike and I were. But it's like you look back at that era, and it's kind of like Kid Rock and Limp Biscuit and all these things, and it's. You know, at least Kid Rock, it's like he he owned being white trash, you know, or like that image. Like he kind of owned that persona, but at least his stuff was catchy. You know, you get it. But when you listen to Limp Biscuit, it's just like, I'm going to do things my way. It's my way. And then it's like, <laughs> so back the fuck up and shut the fuck up. And it's like, just, it's like, oh, still to this day, when it comes on the radio at work, like, you know, in the warehouse, I'm like, this is, it's, it's so bad that it's like, a classic shit song. It's like, everything is just so bad. It's like, Oh, it's entertaining. It really is. Yeah, I feel the same way about the beastie boys. It's just like so bad that it's classic. Like it's just- and cake cake fits into that <laughs> yeah. category. I've come to admire cake though. That's the thing. Yeah. It's hilarious. So, uh, well, I'm, I always like ending these episodes on a funny note and not so much doom and gloom, black pilling, uh, topics. Yeah, so- I did promise. Uh, I did promise my dad. I would stop being such a black pillar. <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta enjoy the little things in life like uh fred durst directed movies and let's, I get out, let's get him out on the podcast can we, uh, we i think he's obtainable I mean, any of our listeners have contact information for fred durst <laughs> i want to talk to fred durst I, oh, <laughs> yeah, so i'm I gonna cool quick. it on the the unabomber talk i nothing i say i do not condone anything the man did okay we're simply talking about some memos that he put out there and arguments that need to be grappled with that's all not hurting anybody (laughs) fred durst yeah oh but real quick i did i did want to know a little bit about fred durst and like how how did this human being come to be and i just looked at his wikipedia and like i guess he was raised with some like uh like wiccan religion like wicca it's like some kind of like paganistic witchcraft like that's what he was brought up in i'm like oh okay this makes so much sense and he's from florida so it's like okay it's a florida guy florida man <laughs> florida man studying witchcraft and they get fred durst and phenomenal john travolta movies so check it out peace <laughs>